This Pentecost, I've heard these scriptures more powerfully than I have ever heard them before. Each year at Pentecost, we look at the second chapter of Acts and remember the birthday, we call it sometimes, of the, of the church. When the Holy Spirit came with amazing power and came upon the gathered believers and used them for extraordinary ends. Before this week began, as I was thinking about uh, approaching these Pentecost passages again, I was thinking about the work that happened in terms of there being a process of double translation that was empowered at Pentecost by the Holy Spirit. So let's recall the dramatic events where the believers who the risen Lord has departed from and ask them to remain and wait for power to come from on high. And they wait, and I guess they're praying because I actually, I love that song. I just love that song. But I, I, I think it's actually every time I pray, I feel the spirit moving on me. I think that's what happened in the believers. They, they were praying and waiting. And then it came at the Feast of Pentecost. And there they were with Jews who had gathered from the diaspora, Jews who didn't live in the homeland, but were part of other countries and cultures and ethnicities, people who spoke different languages. And you know, language is a barrier that kind of shapes our thought people who came from different cultural practices. Also with the Jews were proselytes who would not have been ethnic Jews, but probably brought in other ethnicities with them as they had become converts to Judaism. And they all gathered from one end of the empire to the other end of the empire and beyond at Pentecost. And this extraordinary event that uh, looked to those gathered like fire, tongues of fire resting on people, and sounded like a mighty wind. That event yielded people speaking the truth of who God was revealing himself to be in Jesus. They heard that truth in terms they understood coming from people they didn't think they could communicate with. There was kind of a double translation going on that was empowered by the Holy Spirit. People were able to speak their truth, the truth that had been revealed to them about who God was in Christ and God's purpose for the world. And they were able to speak that and also make it understood by people with different language, different culture, different ethnicities. And I was thinking about that double process of translation before this week and thinking about it in terms, you know, I can't help but I'm a Christian and I've, I, I hear these words that come out of Pentecost of, 
everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I, I got this very Christian view in my head of an evangelist preaching and people accepting Jesus. And, and yet, when I read the story that I bet many of you have read this week, I had this whoosh, felt like a shiver of the wind of the Spirit got to me. Maybe you recall too, maybe you felt a little shiver too when you heard the story of what happened on a Portland train. Uh, I'm going to refresh your memory a little bit. It was only a little more than a uh, Maybe it wasn't even a week ago, was it? A man who was um, ranting and raving and spewing racist or, or uh, hate-filled language on a commuter train started speaking hate-filled words to two uh, young women, teenage teenagers, uh, African-American, one of whom was uh, Muslim wearing a hijab there on, on, on the commuter train. And uh, I don't know if you saw any of the clips. The, the gentleman was disturbed, uh, and, but also hate-filled. And I would have found it pretty intimidating to hear him if you saw some of the clips of how he was in court. And I wonder what I would have done, I'm not sure. I hope I would have been brave. I'm not sure if I would have been, but there were people who were brave. There were three men, uh, two of them quite young, who came to the defense of these two young women from verbal assaults. And, and uh, the three men, in doing so, put themselves in harm's way. Two of them, to the point of loss of life when he turned on them and attacked them. And th the three men, uh, very different people. The one was an army uh, veteran and um, someone who'd done several tours in uh, Iran and, and, and uh, Af Afghan and um, Afghanistan. And one was a recent college graduate of Reed College and another one was a poet and, a, and currently a student at Portland State, and um, autistic, um, Asperger's. Uh, two of the gentlemen were wounded by knives to the point of dying, but while one of them lie dying, his name was Taliesin, he was comforted by a woman who was trying to stanch his bleeding, and she reported that uh, while they were waiting for the medics to arrive, he was speaking, and one of the things that he said was, please let everyone on the bus know that I love them. He didn't make it. Uh, but those words and his witness, as I heard them, and I saw the effect, tragic as the story is. Nevertheless, it seems like it is a movement of the spirit, a movement of the spirit of love coming uncloaked, 
making itself known, translating what connection there is between people of faith, people who are trying to connect. I thought about the people who had taken our, our uh, Christianity and Islam class. About 20 people finished that 15-week thing. We, we learned a lot. Uh, we learned a lot of uh, stuff that was absolutely new to me uh, and reflected on our own religious tradition, too. I wondered if, if we were preparing ourselves to be the kind of brave people who will stand up and speak truth in face of hate-filled rhetoric. It seems to me like this work of speaking truth in love in the face of hate is standing in gaps that are kind of being broken open. It feels to me like, in many ways, these dramatic images of Pentecost, where when the Holy Spirit comes, it's, it's creating uh, new creative possibilities, but it's coming in and kind of the earth is shaking. The world is changing. It feels to me like the world is changing a lot. If we think back 50, 100 years ago, where we are now, so many things are different. Gender roles, understanding of sexuality and sexual orientation, family structures, civilizations living so closely to each other, so interacting so profoundly. And, and it feels sometimes like all of the shifts and changes, the ground is shaking beneath us. Now, maybe, maybe my interpretation is just way off, and it's just me, and I'm getting old and spooky, but <laughs> that could happen. But. but I think in some ways, there are a lot of changes, and they are potentially unsettling and potentially scary, but they also create room for incredible explosion of love and energy and positivity when they are met with the creative power of spirit, divine spirit guiding. I read a reflection by the professor who taught Taliesin, the young man who spoke his love for the people on the bus in his last words. And he was uh, reflecting about the young man who had come and taken one course from him, a course on understanding Islam. He said that, uh, he remembered him vividly. Like many uh, people coming to the class, they were extremely idealistic and, and uh, they wanted to come and find out why everybody who says everything bad about um, Muslims are all wrong and they uh, were just full of a very, very simplistic view and maybe had a little bit of a, a desire to change the world. And he said, I, I kind of anticipated that uh, once we got into seeing the complexity of the religious tradition of Islam, just as we remembered the complexity and the ambiguity in our religious tradition, I kind of anticipated that he would drop off, drop out of the class as others had. But he said, actually, he hung in there 
And, and he really worked on coming to a, a mature understanding of, of Islam and all of its ambiguity and all of its potential. And he said, I, I look at his statement as a kind of mature investment, a mature manifestation of a sincere love that was coming through his words and through his actions. Love that was perhaps offering uh, forgiveness to the people who didn't find themselves able to get up and intervene. Love that was letting the girls on whose behalf he spoke know that, that they were worthwhile. Love even uh, perhaps for the person who got it all started. That kind of love is truly a gift from the creative power of the Holy Spirit, and it is of the divine. Another standing in the gap, I think is interesting, read about this week too. There are a lot of reasons that um, people and uh, many people vocally despair about racial relations in our country. And um, this article was a beautiful different perspective. It was a celebration and a reflection on the 50-year anniversary of the Supreme Court decision Loving versus uh, Virginia, which ended uh, as a constitutional matter the practice of banning interracial marriage in the United States. And this author says that um, she finds in, in the intermarriage of people, one of the most positive sources of change and hope for our future. It makes her optimistic. She calls the people who, who um, marry the ardent integrators who pursue interracial relationships motivated by love. They are our greatest hope for racial understanding. Although America is in a state of toxic polarity, she's optimistic because intimacy across racial lines has made a growing class of whites come to value and empathize with minorities and with African-Americans, immigrants, and they're kind of, in their own way, dismantling the ideas of racism, implicit and explicit. She says that that one-on-one -on -one kind of influence between people, where getting to know someone well because you love them and, and getting to understand their culture is a process of acquiring what she calls cultural dexterity. And it leads to kind of transformative relationships, not just in the person practicing that dexterity, but it has a, a kind of ripple effect out from them. This cultural dexterity is one way of thinking about people who are intentional about trying to stand in the gaps and becoming translators of what love looks like by understanding, speaking truth, and relating it in terms others understand. Our vision 
Committee at King Avenue has been working on articulating a picture for our future. We're not done, but we're at a kind of provisional place where we wanted to test the waters and see what you think. And I thought about this vision as I was thinking about the Pentecostal power, the creative power of love that creates understanding across gaps and brings the energy of new relationships together. See what you think of this. We are a community of servants called by God's reconciling grace to open doors of sanctuary. We are a community of servants called by God's reconciling grace to open doors of sanctuary. We need help from the Holy Spirit. We need power and energy that pushes us a little beyond our comfort zones. We need the experience of divine love informing all we do. We can open doors of sanctuary, not just physical doors of the church, but doors of sanctuary on a commuter train, doors of sanctuary in our neighborhoods, doors of sanctuary in our homes. Many of you have, have been practitioners of cultural dexterity in the name of love, helping your neighbors and friends understand sexual orientation in a different light, and that love is love. And there's much work yet to do, and the Spirit is moving among us. You, by God's grace, may find a way to be someone who stands in the gap and brings two things set apart, closer together. By the grace of God, may we have that Pentecostal power. Amen.